Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. I honour myself by placing myself first. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And we're talking today about laziness, although... It's not really laziness. I'm going to put forward the theory, and I think Jane is as well, that there is no such thing as laziness. I've got two definitions as to what I think is going on when we use that word. Um, I know Jane's got some very interesting things she wants to talk about today as well on this topic because it's something that we both as women have been challenged by. Nobody wants to have a finger pointed at them and being told, you're lazy. What are you doing just lying around in the sun reading a book? Isn't there something you should be doing? And even if nobody is actually pointing the finger, we usually point it at ourselves, don't we? And we think, oh, I just feel so guilty just spending half an hour longer in bed this morning when I really should be doing all those things on my to-do list or furthering my career or making money or working on myself or doing something. Maybe the very best working on yourself you can do is that extra 30 minutes in bed of just nurturing. Jane? I find I have to justify to myself and to anybody that actually really wants to listen (laughs) why I am allowed to stop. And I've done this my whole life and I've just come to the realisation as of today that I'm not doing it anymore. And I think it's going to be actually really challenging. I think it's going to be very challenging for me to just stop because I wish to for no other reason. This is the curse of the Westerner. Um, There are cultures that understand the slower rhythms and cycles and they honour, for example, going into a red tent to bleed once a month, or they honour time out or siesta time every afternoon. The city stops, you have a sleep, then you come back when you're productive again. There are cultures that sit around in circles by fires and do nothing but talk and share stories and listen. And we come from a culture that is driven by Mammon, the god of money, and is driven by productivity, goal-setting, yardsticks, report cards, gradings, hierarchies, things that you can hang your hat on. We have a very different definition of pride and it's to do with the cogs of the wheel, the machines, the factory lines, you know, being on the hamster wheel in life. It's to do with output. It's to do with product and and produce and, and what your worth is defined by how much you are making or delivering. And it's a very, very exhausting, draining and tiring way to have to operate, particularly for a lifetime, for seven decades chained to a desk or chained to a machine, or chained to having to flog a product, or sell something, um, or sell sell yourself. You know, in the in the in the sacred archetypes, there they say every human being belongs to a certain pattern. And some people are the warrior, and some people are the magician, and some people are the king. And uh, you know, I know Carolyn Mace has done a lot of work on this. If people are interested in, in looking in further, and one of the archetypes is the prostitute. Now, that doesn't mean sex necessarily. It means where do you sell yourself short? Where can you be bought? Where can you be sold out? Where, you know, how could I convince you? It could even be in a very, very small thing like saying no when you mean yes or saying yes when you when you mean no. It's something that's going against your gut feeling. You're selling yourself short there. Mm, You're negating, nice. negating yourself. And we have a real sickness of this in Western culture because we constantly feel pressure breathing down our necks like a dragon. And it 
for women in particular, it is making, it is really interrupting our natural rhythms, our ability to receive, our ability to nourish and nurture and regenerate ourselves through our natural monthly cycles, spiritual, emotional, energetic, physical, that the ancients knew how to upkeep and maintain. We have lost that connection. And is it any wonder that everyone is wandering around society complaining of being burnt out, being stressed, needing to go on Bali for a retreat. I need a massage. I need a foot massage. I I need a glass of wine. I need to de-stress. I need to let off steam because it's too much. The balance is out. It's massive. Wow, that's beautiful, Beck. Oh, I was just not thinking about what I'm going to be saying. I was just enjoying listening to you. Well, I hope you've got something to say, Jack. Oh, yeah, I've got plenty to say. <laughs> Always. You know, I've really been – I'm just going to go down the personal level and share where I'm feeling I'm at. And so, you know, Beck says, well, at nearly 53, you're in your Crohn's era. And I love that. And I am really assessing everything about my life. What do I want it to look like? What is important to me? What isn't? What can I let go? What was important that isn't important now? What could become important that hasn't been before, etc. And I feel we have so much around as women particularly. However, men, you can totally relate to all of this with your own masculine story as well. But the pressure of of being the perfect wife, of being the perfect mother, of being the perfect income provider and having a great career, of looking really hot and fabulous, of being the perfect friend, of being the perfect daughter, of being the perfect sister, etc., etc. Most people have got parents that are aging and they've got, you know, at the same time maybe teenagers and so they're kind of getting it at both ends of the stick of, of being needy and there's so much that's dragging us down and it's this lifestyle, this picture, this image, this vision that we are supposed to live up to. Well, I'm going to swear it's bullshit and we've got to start owning that you can't have it all. You can have it all within a lifetime. But you can't have it all right now at the same time. So why don't you just give up the game of trying to and give yourself permission to actually just be. And that's what I'm doing. I'm going, what is important? What is important to me this hour? What is important to me this day? What is important this week, this month, this year? What's important this lifetime? What for the next decade? And really shifting around trying to just do it all because I'm tired, I am worn out, and I'm not doing it anymore. And so I have a siesta every single day. Now, I've had a siesta every single day for about the past seven years, I reckon. However, I've had secret siestas many days since I was probably about 30 years old, and it was my secret. It was a dirty secret not to tell anyone because there was shame around having to check out. It's like you're a toddler, you're a baby or an old person, and it's seen as worn out and tired. Rubbish. Siestas is my magic gift to me that lets me be the person I want to be. And that's what I love, Beck, when you were talking about the rituals and ceremonies and the understanding of how to balance, how to just stop. But it's more than just stopping. It's getting into this headspace of give yourself permission and do not seek anybody else's approval. And 
sit in the face of their disapproval and not care. That's the challenge. In case you haven't noticed, this show's about self-love. <laughs> I mean, really, everything we ever talk about and every client Jane and I have ever seen, every human on this earth, it always seems to default back to the same pattern of we are all here to work on how much we can love ourselves and honour ourselves and believe in ourselves. And so when we talk about what's traditionally called laziness with a real curl of the lip, it's almost like also a Victorian era hangover where it was sort of that, you know, the old biblical ideas that unless you were working hard and kept your hands clean, it's like part of that moral character, like it's sort of something that you don't want to be a a lazy bones or they used to have words for it, the, um, what is it, the person that would just lie around in the hayrick all day dreaming, being a dreamer, and they were sort of looked down upon. Um, Self-love and self-worth is about giving the body and the mind what it needs. And, of course, the body and the mind doesn't run on clocks or computers or office schedules or itineraries. And you might book something in for two weeks' time thinking it's going to be a great idea, and when that night or morning comes, your heart's not in it. Very few people know how to say no at the 11th hour to something they committed to a long time ago. It's one of the hardest things. We can begin to make that sort of process easier in our lives by better listening to our body clocks and honouring what our body is asking of us. If you've just gotten a period and all you want to do is fill up a hot water bottle and curl up on the couch for three hours, then do it. You don't need to go and do your taxes and try and put out an ebook for your company. You know, if all you feel like doing on a Friday morning is sitting in the sun for an hour with a cup of tea and just thinking and trying to process some stuff in your head, then if you can, do it. If you're your own boss, and I know many of you listening are because a lot of you are very entrepreneurial and you've started your own blogs or wellness businesses, you might be coaches or you know whatever you do, you guys are at the moment in this challenge of time management. You haven't got traditional weeks. You don't need to be at a desk from nine to five. Your parents might not get it. Your grandparents might not get it. They might say stuff like, what do you do all day? What do you do with that time? How come you only work three days a week? What do you, what do you need all that extra time for? Because from the world they came from, that was considered something to be looked down upon. It was not valued um, to to give it is what's considered highly selfish. I think it's also considered wasteful. Correct. And I think the word wasteful goes hand in hand with lazy. Yes. Yes. And so there's a hell of a lot of permission giving that we need to get comfortable in ourselves, doing for ourselves, of ourselves, by ourselves, for ourselves, to ourselves. We need to learn how to relax and own the vibration of I'm going to sit in the sun for an hour and do nothing but stare at the trees because I feel very overwhelmed right now and I need to let that process through me. I love that. I think that's absolutely beautiful and we must, 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 must do this. However, what about, let's take it a step further. I'm going to go and sit in the sun for as long as I feel like and for no reason. I don't need to sit in the sun because I feel anxious. I don't need to sit in the sun for an hour I might sit there for four days. You don't need an excuse. That's it. That's the thing is that we keep justifying why we're allowed to be lazy. Mm. And I found that, that I had this automatic 
words coming out of my mouth of, you know, my husband might come home and say, how are you? And I go, oh, I'm really tired. I've done so much today. And and so I'm just going to go and have a siesta. I'm just going to go and watch some junk TV for an hour or justifying. And I'm not, and he has never interfered with the management of me ever. So it's not something that's been projected on me. Where has this behavior come from? Within me, my worthiness, my low self-worth saying, I have to get approval from somebody else for me to do whatever it is I want to do because somewhere I think I really shouldn't be doing that. And there's that word, shouldn't. What about who cares? I'm just doing it. You know what's so interesting that's just popped into mind? You know the four-hour work week? Yes. What's his name? I've got that book. It was fun. Tim? Something like that. I can't remember. I can't think of his name right now. Everyone knows that this book was viral a few years ago, the four-hour work week, and then he did the four, what is it, hour workout, and he, did, he had all these spin-offs, right? Yes. In that book, he tells, he spends, I don't know, four-fifths of the book talking about exactly how to get more time for yourself. And the last chapter is actually him justifying what you're going to do with all that time. And it's this is how what you can do with charity and this is what you can do with. <gasps> right. So you don't feel too guilty about it. Okay. So now we've gone from lazy to wasteful to guilt. Look at all these rich emotions that come up. They're yucky ones. Yeah. There's a lot of and stigma. guilt is massive. You know, I can remember going on holiday years ago with another family. There were a couple of fa- – so my family and another family went on, on holidays to – um, the Gold Coast, and I'd go off for my afternoon siesta. Now, here's how I justify it, because I didn't want to feel guilty that I was having a siesta, so I had a four-month-old baby, and I had a two-and-a-half-year-old. So I think anybody can go off for a sleep anytime they want. But why should I even have to justify it? Why can't I just say I'm going for a sleep? And I can remember these people saying to my husband, or this one lady saying to my husband, I don't know how you stand that, I couldn't stand it. And he kind of looked at her a bit puzzled and said, well, why? And she said, well, it stops you doing things. And he said, no, you just not have to do it all the time. No, it doesn't. But it's this constant justifying to ourselves as well as to others about why we should be able to do the actions that we're doing because we're so focused on endpoint goals. We're so focused on some sort of line in the sand of achievement of whether it's, you know, I'm so excited that I actually got to, you know, do my dishes today and have a clean bench for the day, or I've just, you know, written this new fantastic course and I'm so excited it's going to go out and I've spent six months producing it. Mm. It's irrelevant. We keep trying to to justify and end point that doesn't need to be there. The problem is as well that we live in a world where placing value on emotions and emotional work still doesn't um, healthily exist yet. So what I mean is the only currency or the only language most people still understand is physical, tangible output. What did you do today? What do you do for a living, etc.? What did you earn? What do you earn? What do you do with that money? What do you do with your time? What do you do? What are your hobbies? What are your interests? When you're not at work, what do you do? You know, we always have to be doing something. It's a sickness, like an obsession with busy. If you're not busy, you're purposeless. You're meaningless, right? Now, purposeless. back to the emotion versus physical. So if you, you could give somebody any answer, I climbed Mount Everest, I scratched my ass, I visited the doctor, I ate a McMuffin. It doesn't really matter as long as you were doing something, they can understand that answer. If you say, 
I really just needed to spend a day at home sitting in my heart. Most people are going to look at you like you're loony. Most people don't really understand what that means or why you would feel the need to quote unquote waste so much time doing such a bizarre sounding irrelevant activity. How on earth is that going to further you in any way in life? How is that relevant? You sound like a flake. You're a hippie. That one's a hippie that she just drifts around like aimlessly sitting in gardens, looking at trees, you know, <laughs> sounds great to me, but anyway, sounds um, fabulous to me. <laughs> um, and so there's this idea that that's sort of a, a new concept, which I've really been embracing myself lately, which is 10% of the time you work, actual work, whatever your work is, 90% of the time you work on yourself. So if you have a week where just a small amount of that week is in, I mean, how long does it take to actually finish off some emails, write a report, do something, make a phone call? Do you know, when I was a journalist, I could sit at my desk for a week and the amount of actual work I had to produce for for the magazine, I could do in maybe four to six hours. The rest of the week, I had to pretend to be busy and it used to drain my soul. And when I got out, I used to think, why on earth did I not have more guts to go freelance during all that time? I could have been at home in bed on the computer or watching TV, going out, looking at museums, sitting in gardens, praying. You could have been that hippie that's walking around purposeless. I could have. And I would have only had to have done six hours worth of work a week to get the same money. It's amazing, isn't it? So... 90% working on yourself, what does that mean? It means employing most of the things Jane and I bang on about in the Love Life show. Go and visit practitioners. Introduce rituals into your life that nurture you, whether it's reading good books, spending time with people who uplift you, writing out affirmations every morning, sitting in the sun, staring at the clouds, making pictures out of them, spending quality time with your children where you do nothing but sit on the floor and play trains for two hours. That can feel challenging for many women and they want to run from motherhood all the time or they keep motherhood appearing, looking very, very busy, always doing the drop off or the pick up or now now we're going off for music lessons or now we're going here or there or now we're having this big um, bake-off day and I'm preparing for the school sports day. Busy, 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 busy because a lot of women who are housewives feel the need to justify it and I have asked so many women what do you do and they always begin with I'm just I'm just a mother I'm just a stay-at-home mum no you're not just one that is a full-time role and people who have those roles which are basically 24-7 carers for a lot of people in a family they're supporting a husband who's bringing in the bacon who has to work long hours and they're supporting children of different ages with all different wants and needs solo through all the hours of the day that the mother's the only one holding down the fort those women and sometimes I will say it's often fathers too there's many fathers out there doing sole custody those people should I say need extra extra time for themselves, me time, because they are giving out, giving out, giving out, giving out energy in one continuous direction. Batteries have a plus and a minus. You can't send energy out in one direction all day long or you will get sick. You need to learn to get comfortable with putting energy back in. You need to learn to know what that looks and feels like. So you've got ideas for how to even do it because some of us weren't even role modeled it by our own mothers, right? And you need to understand that if you don't top up your own love tank, fill up your own self-worth, nurture, nourish, give back, pander, adore, be tender with yourself, be loving with yourself, honor yourself and do these sorts of things, 
this is where your breast cancers and stuff come from. Depletion mm. of self-love. Any extreme sickness, of course, is telling the body to stop and it's telling you to stop. And so it is. Now, I want to talk about purposeless because I loved it when you said that. Purposeless. Yes. So you, where you have no purpose. I live my whole life on purpose, whether it is I'm writing a new course, I'm meeting with a client, I'm doing introductions, I'm matching people up for dinners, or I'm doing the dishes, or I'm going to try and cook a new healthy recipe or whatever. It is goal-orientated. It is purpose-based. And when I stop, what I want to do is I actually want to be purposeless. I don't want to. I'm just going to stop now and have a sleep. That's got a purpose. I don't want to stop now and I'm going to watch a TV show. That has a purpose. I don't want to just stop now and go and sit outside and stare at the clouds and make patterns out of them. That has a purpose. I want to be purposeless. Can you do that? Can you just sit and just have no purpose? I would would say from a spiritual point of view as well, just the fact that you're breathing means that you have a purpose to be here. That's it. You don't have to do anything else than just show up in this dimension, really, truly, just come and be. Mm-hmm. That's all that's actually required of you. You don't need to justify anything, have a reason for anything, explain away everything, feel guilty about anything or shame or anything. You just need to be. That's your job as a soul. Just be. You have a right to be here. Everything else we put on top of that is constructed layers of meaning. It really, really is. Uh, well, it could also be the purposeless thing could also be a different way of meditating. Absolutely. And so for those of you that don't like doing Beck's two-minute meditation, <laughs> I'm coming to get you. I'm coming to get you. <laughs> if you don't, well, then give yourself permission to just be purposeless. And it will give a very similar kind of effect. Open-eye meditation. It could be walking down a beach. It could be gardening for an hour, pulling weeds out of a patch. How therapeutic. I cleaned out a cupboard the other day. It was the best afternoon I've ever spent. I've got 12 months I've given myself to do the whole house. And I'm loving it because it lets me have loads of weekends off if I don't feel like it. Um, And if I do, I get stuck into it and it's feeling good. I might even just have to pop a photo of my pantry up soon. (laughs) The neatest it's ever been in my entire 53 years of existence. Let's celebrate that. (laughs) You know, anyone who's creative, which is most of you, um, understand the need and how to work with the creative muse. This is something that business does not understand, allow for or cater to. The muse strikes when you're in a certain zone, when you're in a certain headspace, often a state of dreaminess or not really concentrating. Maybe you're driving, maybe you're showering or washing the dishes. Maybe you've had creative block for six months and all of a sudden something flows out of you on a Saturday morning inexplicably at 9am. The muse comes when it comes. It it doesn't come like when I was a journalist and my job was to write magazines, features, creative stories, and I had to sit in a chair between hours that were given to me and told to create within hours that were you know allotted to me. It doesn't work that way. And those of you that are creative and do creativity for a living understand the concept of creative burnout. Creativity comes in waves. It comes in cycles. It doesn't just come in a non-end, like never-ending linear stream of abundant, here it is, here's more, here's more, here's more, keep going, keep going, keep going, which is what all of the companies would love it to be, advertising that, come up with the next idea, come up with the next idea, what's the next storyboard, what's the next thing going to be that we're going to create? They just pummel people to produce on demand. Now, those of you that are truly working with the, the, the subtler energies of creativity know that 
that you need to rest and eat and sleep and cycle through ordinary life for the muse to slip in and out and come and go. You might spend all day researching something or writing a book, and it's not until you stop put the pen down, go and play an hour of soccer with your son or something like that, or go into the shed and start fixing your motorbike, that the actual inspiration comes of, oh, that's the missing piece of the last chapter. Oh, that character needed to say this in the second paragraph of the first page or whatever. Or, or, oh, my research, you suddenly join all these dots. That's actually the missing key to this, to this formula or whatever. Um, so time spent doing nothing, tinkering with the bike, playing soccer, feeding the birds outside at the bird feeder is sometimes when the most genius lightning bolts happen. Look at the dude sitting under the tree and the apple fell on his head when he got the world's biggest theory. What was he doing under the tree? Just whiling away his time. Staring at the clouds, making pictures. Painting his nails, whittling, whistling, you know, who knows? Doesn't matter. It came to him in the moment that he surrendered and was in that space of non-busy, non-doing. I love it. You lead perfectly into the next point I wanted to bring up, which is about time. It's because I'm psychic, Jane. Oh, wow, look at that. <laughs> do No. So when we give ourselves permission to be lazy, which as we are now established, the term lazy really shouldn't exist. However, we'll go with it for now. We also seem to attach a time frame to it. I'm going to give myself the next hour off. I'm going to give myself the next day off. I'm going through this at the moment. I'll, I'll give myself a week to recover from that. We I've just broken it. up with somebody. I'm going to give myself six months to get over this relationship. I'm, you know, we're putting a time on it. And I don't want, if you're able to give yourself permission to stop and just be, then I would love you to go the next step and go, I wish to give myself permission to just stop and just be for as long as I need to be. We quantify and measure everything. It's mm, shocking. I love that you brought this up. Dreadful. So true. Well, so often, you know, people will say things to me like, you know, particularly if I have so many clients that are, you know, newly separated and they'll say to me, well, how long do you think it will take for me to get back to normal? As long as it will take. You know, it's, it's like people are still apologising for their existence. It's like, you know, I'm going to go away for two nights just to this retreat for women, but when I get back I'm going to do go extra hard in my job or, or I'm just going to have half an hour to watch my favourite TV show and just zone out. But afterwards I promise I'll get up and do that, that thing that you've been asking me to do. We have to justify and apologise. Constantly. Constantly. So, so with the time... I want you to recognize that time is whatever it is for you and don't compare. There's so much comparisons of what should be. Oh, you've just had knee surgery and it's expected that you'll need to be resting and not doing anything for three weeks. Well, then three weeks, your body maybe has taken longer. And maybe you need longer. But no, the rule's three weeks. They come on. Everybody expects you to get up. So up you get and you force it and your knee's not healed. Eight weeks after birth before you start exercising. Eight weeks, that's the standard. Eight weeks. It's like, really? You know what? Some of you might be eight minutes and some of you might be eight years. Whatever. Some might be I'm never exercising again after birth. Whatever. So what? Okay. So please really look at how you're, you're sabotaging the ability to stop and be purposeless by attaching a time limit to it because then it's like you've now given a purpose to it of I've got to really enjoy this purposeless state mm. so now we've got a mission for it now we've got a purpose I have to be joyful while I'm in this purposeless state so therefore I am no longer purposeless so I said at the start of today's episode I think there's two definitions of lazy 
The first is when someone is quote unquote genuinely lazy. They lie around, they don't work, they never initiate anything, they don't follow don't follow through on stuff, etc. That isn't really laziness. It's actually someone in fear and emotional block state. They're too scared of what will happen if they follow through. The second laziness is the one we've spent the, the episode describing, which is actually not laziness at all. It is nurturing. It is feeling guilt-free, shame-free, unapologetic in just giving yourself whatever you need in any moment that shows up in your life in whatever ever form that looks like. And we hope that this week you have some fun thinking of some creative ways to feed yourself, to nurture yourself in this beautiful vein. I honour myself by placing myself first. Please go and place yourselves first. Um, if you'd like to place us first, you can do it on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> That's clever, Beck. <laughs> we um, have iTunes. Uh, I mean, you can obviously get our show on iTunes and we have some really gorgeous five-star reviews on there. And if you would like to support Jane and I and get the word out and drive us higher up so that more people can find our show and we can spread the healing effects and the healing words, then just jump on and leave a review or send a link of one of our shows to a friend or share it on Facebook. And that kind of grassroots marketing is really, really exciting and important to both Jane and I. And it's absolutely invaluable. And for that, we thank you for giving to us and for helping us to keep doing what we're doing. So until this time next week, have fun putting yourself first and honouring yourself and have a really enjoyable, beautiful, relaxing week. Life is perfect. I'm not trying. It's just happening.